1: This is episode number 69 with our guest, Chris Spervy. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host. Josh Carey, after consciously choosing entrepreneurship as a means to create a better life for his family, our guest today realized that negative beliefs about sales were holding him back from taking his ventures to the next level. Imagine that. He saw this as a major hurdle to not only his businesses, but the businesses of virtually every other entrepreneur. He went to work on himself and found a way to sell that felt right. By shifting his mindset, he was able to transform his inner game and use his innate values and talents to become a top sales professional. Today, he inspires entrepreneurs and sales professionals to deal with the paradigms that hold them back. Now, let him inspire you. He's followed by 100,000 business owners and sales leaders worldwide. Help me welcome to the show. It's Chris Spurvey. What's going on, Chris?
0: Thank you very much, Josh. I really appreciate that intro. I love the energy and the emphasis you put on certain keywords in that intro. Uh, I've never heard it read like that. Most people don't put the, uh, the oomph behind it, you know, so I love it. Thanks so much. Well, thanks
1: for acknowledging. I think it's the oomph that I've brought with me uh, from my acting and filmmaking days. Uh, I try to utilize as much as I can that that makes (laughs) sense from the world. So uh, what really excited me about this conversation is we're going to focus on the S word, right? Um, Sales. So many people um, have seem to have a love hate relationship with the word. Some people just despise it, but what I've what I've realized early on that even the people who feel repelled by it or from it or with it they they don't acknowledge that every single thing we do in life has a sales element to it,
0: right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, everything. I mean, all revenue and all businesses grows through sales, and uh, uh, and it's the most important aspect of not only uh, a company but an economy and so on. So, uh, unless we get it right in our own heads, uh, we're going to be held back in one form or a way, uh, one form or another. You know.
1: Yeah, and it also extends outside of the boardroom, as they say. Um, I, I I need to use sales technique and tactic in my family every day, right? You got
0: it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, I mean, it's I would ha- hazard to guess, and this is I've never said this before, but I'd be willing to bet there is there's not an, a, a one hour that goes by. Uh, in a day where we do not touch on sales in some form or another, we are convincing uh or we're sh- 're sharing our viewpoint in a way that we 're trying to win people over to see our point of view, and that really is sales right
1: yeah why do you think it has such a negative connotation in some people 's minds
0: yeah, I mean. I can only go back in my well. I can go back in many people's journeys because over the last, say, five years, I've been totally obsessed with this topic, <clears throat> and as a result of that, have talked to literally thousands of people on this. But and what I have learned is many people have similar experiences to me where. You know, I was—I was my first exposure that I recall to sales was a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman in 1983 when I was 10 years old, and he uh, convinced my mom and dad to buy a three-thousand-dollar vacuum in 1983, which is around $12,000 in today's dollars, and he did that in about 45 minutes. And uh, no matter what objection my mom and dad put up in front of this guy, who managed to weave his way into our living room. Uh, my mom and dad felt obligated or felt pressure to buy the vacuum. And then they thought about it for the next few months as they tried to figure out how to pay for it. Mm. So that was my first exposure to sales. And I'm pretty sure many other people have that similar exposure. Uh, What I am seeing today is that uh, some people – who are kind of being brought up in today's environment uh, of entrepreneurship is a little bit more fertile territory where sales is being done in a more authentic, genuine way. And so some of the young, when I go into a room of millennials today and I ask, what are the first words that come to mind when they think about sales? It's more positive than if I was to ask a group of Gen Xers, Gen Yers or whatever, right. Or, um, uh, baby boomers, you know? Mm. Yeah.
1: I love the hashtag over your shoulder, make sales a habit. Yes. Tell, me, tell me what that means.
0: Well, what that means is that I've learned that sales, being effective, powerful, gaining results from sales, is largely a result of just being focused, consistent, and deliberate uh, in our actions that lead to deep, genuine, win-win relationships. So if we can get that fundamental foundation right, of approaching, uh, you know, conversations in the way that we're trying to find solutions uh, to solve, uh, and we have that mindset, then we can truly make sales happen organically and happen as a habit, uh, versus having to. Necessarily go out and push people towards sales. We pull people towards sales So that's a, that's a effectively sharing with you the vision that I have around this idea that we can actually make sales and Growth of our businesses just a habit uh, that that we do every day And we don't even realize we're doing it because we're just doing something we love to do share share what we believe in
1: You've said that you believe that feeling good about sales is the foundation for success in business how yeah. do we, what does it take to feel good about sales? Because I know stereotypically, and this might be an old fashioned or outdated, but stereotypically, nobody wants to sell.
0: No. You got to fall in love with the, well, I guess fundamentally at the foundation, we need to be passionate about what it is we're doing, whether we're an entrepreneur and the business that we're building, whether we're in a career and the company that we are a part of. If we don't feel aligned to that company, you're in the wrong company. You need to find something that really lights you on fire. Uh, my, my, My friend has a saying, we need to be operating at Mach 2 with your hair on fire. And that really is finding the passion behind what we're doing. Uh, the way that I've learned to fall in love with it is uh, I, I learned at a certain age that we, we, attract, we, we live the vision we have for our lives. And so we either have a choice to be, uh, be reactive and go about our lives in a way that kind of happens on a daily basis and it happens whether we try, whether we're proactive or not. Or we can sit down and truly decide what we want our future to look like and write it in the present tense, write a vision, and that produces the self-motivation. And what I encourage people to do is write into your vision you as a powerful entrepreneur, a powerful leader, Uh, going out there and sharing, not selling, sharing, selling in the traditional sense, sharing your value proposition, asking deliberate focused questions that uncover problems to solve and so on. So that's how you fall in love with it. You just fall in love with talking to people, getting in relationships with people, solving their problems and knowing that what you do helps them sleep better at night. I mean, I, I love going to bed at night, knowing there's a group of people who I've had an impact on that, day. And they're sleeping a little bit better because they met Chris Spurvey. And that to me is selling. It's just, uh, but the only way to fall in love with that is to truly have a vision and be, be submersing yourself in that vision on an ongoing basis.
1: What is your, your business today?
0: My business today? I mean, I have I have multiple businesses, uh, but my core business that we can probably dive into more today is Chris Spurvey sales, uh, consulting doc- It's That's Chris Spurvey.com. And it's, I'm a sales consultant, growth consultant. Uh, to businesses. Uh, and so I bring that sales mindset to the business. Effectively, I go into companies and I, I, I like the entire company on fire around the idea of everyone being a part of the sales process. Everyone from the accountant to the CEO to the janitor, truly, it can be a part of growing the sales of the business and thus creating a far more powerful, effective business.
1: And how do you do that? What tools do you bring to the table for the business?
0: Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, from my vantage point, I get to know many. uh, So when people engage me or organizations engage me, I truly get to know the majority of the people who I'm working with. I get to truly understand what makes them tick, uh, where they'd like to see their careers going, and so on. And so by getting to know them, I can, I can, and and this all comes down to how companies decide to engage me. Uh, if I'm engaged at the most deepest level, I'm a, I'm a part of their organization and I'm driving this thing, uh, and working with the leadership team to, to take on this new sales growth mindset and vision. And that leads to this culture where everyone is looking for ways to grow it. Right. Um, but I mean, what it comes down to is really bringing to the table a consistent, deliberate focus on sales. Many of the organizations I've, worked, I've been working with for a year or so, when, before they started working with me, they didn't even meet to talk about what sales are in the pipeline. They didn't, need, they didn't know the theory behind, you know, sales is getting out, meeting people, talking to them, finding out if there's a problem, uh, pushing deliberately through the sales funnel. So I bring continuity consistency to the sales funnel for an organization so most of my engagements are roughly one year in length and uh, the the companies produce amazing results in that one year so that's my consulting operation if you'll allow me I'll just mention I also bring I also bring a similar type of engagement to uh, more of a one-to-one so I've got uh, roughly 20 coaching clients. Many of them are solopreneurs. Um, Many of them are in the consulting space. So they're a marketing consultant, a lawyer, um, uh, a disability management consultant, as an example, right? These are just uh, titles that are coming to mind. And I'm basically their uh, sales coach. uh, And I, I essentially bring new ideas on how to grow the business. And I hold them accountable to decisions that they make and we talk weekly and we we drive growth right and many, many of the top, many in many cases some, people are just lacking perspective they're lacking understanding of what how to go out and grow a business and so i bring some new ideas and i help people grow businesses it's absolutely amazing so your
1: personal story i mentioned in the introduction that you had to change your negative beliefs around sales paint that picture what were some of those beliefs that you had
0: well, I mean, I think if I, if I was asked uh, 20 years ago what, I, the word, what were the first words that came to mind when I heard of the word sales, it would have been manipulative, um, uh, objection fighting, probably sleazy. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the book uh, To Sell is Human by Daniel Pink. Uh, But he has in his book a word graph, uh, which kind of shows a a survey of words that come to mind when the word sales is brought up and it's all negative connotations to the words. I would suggest back 20 years ago, that was Chris Burby, who would have thrown out words sleazy, slimy, manipulative, and so on. Uh, So that's not obviously fertile territory. So thus, I pursued a career initially in marketing. Because I thought I could sit behind the salesperson and just try to generate opportunities through marketing, right? And so uh, I quickly realized that the money, the money is in sales. Uh, and that's when I went to work on myself and, and changed that perception.
1: Mm, absolutely fascinating. I always love to learn so much about the person that I'm speaking with. If you would take us back to the early days of Chris Spurvey as a young child, what was life like growing up for you?
0: Yeah. um, Well, here's what I'll say. Number one, I was brought up in a very uh, positive environment. Uh, I have no negative memories of childhood. My mom and dad really cared well for me. Uh, set me up well uh, and, uh, you know, encouraged me, supported me and so on. The one thing I will say is that I, that comes to mind is that my dad used to drive me as a, as a teenager uh, around my wife and I, we've been together since we were 13 years old. And uh, she, he'd drive me to my, my girlfriend's house at the time. He'd drive me to school. He'd drive me to university. And I used to, we used to have conversations, and he would always say to me, Christopher, Christopher, uh, you know, uh, success in life, uh, money has a lot to do with how you feel about your life. And, uh, and he encouraged me to explore entrepreneurship. And I used to go down in his, his office. My dad was a printer, uh, so he worked behind a printing press. And I would go down in his office in the house, and he'd have all kinds of magazines about how to start home based businesses. Uh, and every now and then, because he was a printer, he would. Uh, take pictures of, of of some of the hockey players on my team with their permission, of course, and he'd create hockey cards and different things like that. But he never really sunk his teeth deep into those opportunities to take him the, the distance to the point where he could actually live his dream of owning his own business. Uh, so I tapped into that energy. I think I know. And, um, and I, I guess I thought to myself, you know what, I'm, I'm observing my dad not getting a chance to really do that because he has bills to pay and a house and a mortgage and that type of stuff. Uh, So I should honor that. And maybe I thought to myself, you know, maybe I should become an entrepreneur. And so, that's really, I think, where the seed of entrepreneurship was started, uh, watching my dad, I guess, in pain over the fact that he didn't, he didn't believe in himself at that phase in his life to do it, uh, you know, and uh, he sacrificed perhaps to some degree because he had a family to, to support and, and couldn't sacrifice that steady income to do it, right? Uh, so, yeah, those are some memories that I have as it pertains to what kind of built me to, to kind of take this on uh, in, later in life.
1: You made an interesting comment I want to drill further down about um, your income is related to your mindset. And I think before we went on the air, you mentioned the idea that there's no limit to to one's earning capacity. Mm. Talk to me about all that. I love all that.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean- uh, what, I, what I have learned about myself, and I, I would argue everybody listening, is that we all have immense potential built up inside of us. All the energy there is in the universe is already here. It's, there's no additional energy being created. It's just a matter, matter of how do we, as individuals, take the energy and use it to our advantage. Um, and so for me, I've, what I'll say is I'm 45. And every year, every decade, I have progressively grown my income. And uh, I've done that by, by always des- designing my life to grow on a daily basis effectively, but I mean certainly on a yearly basis. I'm challenging myself all the time. I jokingly refer to myself today as Chris Burby 8.0. If you had listened to a podcast of me being interviewed a year ago, I probably would have said 6.5. But today, I'm 8.0. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and all I mean by that is that I'm constantly reinventing myself and, and chasing new opportunities and following, following them through and so on. And with that comes new, new income sources. Uh, you know, I, I shared with you before, off the air that I was known in university as the person with the golden horseshoe up his rear end uh, and because I seem to always attract uh, opportunities into my life. Uh, that were always really good, well-paying opportunities. And and entrepreneurship is the same thing. I seem to, uh, at a young age, put myself in front of the internet, as an example. My first internet consulting company was in 1994, uh, before really the internet even was a thing most people knew about, right? Uh, And I don't want to ramble here, but I, I guess I'm trying to make sure I emphasize that with focus, and decision, uh, deliberate action around a vision for your life that includes growing, uh, you you have you you'll you'll take on these quantum leaps. Uh, it's just sticking with uh, sticking with it, right? I'm reminded of a of a, a story I was told uh, by a guy Joe Vitale, and Joe said it's like it's like going to a restaurant. Many people, it's like going to a restaurant and ordering chicken soup. And then five minutes later, changing your order to wonton soup, and then five minutes later again, changing it to a beef soup, and then getting mad because your soup, your soup is delayed in coming, right? And it's your constant decision changing that has made the, uh, made the soup late. It's not the, it has nothing to do with the restaurant or the source. It's your lack of decision and focused decision on making this happen.
1: Oh, is that so beautiful to hear? Because then as human beings, what we will most often do, like you said, is blame everything else for not getting us the soup. We will not. We refuse, I tell you, to take a look at what we've done to create the situation (laughs) before us. Isn't it amazing? (laughs) <laughs> and I think it's that very concept that has uh, really been the catalyst for um, helping me get through all of my uh, darkest moments, and uh, living now in the um, let's say brightest of moments is really that foundation of it's us, it's you, mm-hmm. it's me. We are mm-hmm. the ones creating. It's nothing out here. It's not you. It's not her. It's not them. It's you, and
0: mm-hmm. you have
1: all control. Like you said, you have access to all of the energy here we just yeah. take that ownership right
0: you got it yeah it's personal ownership personal accountability uh, so it all starts with you me uh, as an individual to take charge and take ownership wow and i guess that
1: that's um i mean maybe scary for some people to to know that we have that ability or to take that on
0: yeah, it is. Yeah, and I mean, I can't sit here and suggest I haven't had dark days. Uh, I've had them just as much as probably anyone else listening. But um, what I have learned is that if you can can create, and it goes back to make sales a habit. If you can, if you can um, find routines, find methods to kickstart your day I've learned that the most successful life is all comprised of just successful days and so if we can compose our days in su- in such a way that we we enter the day with the right level of energy uh, and we end the day with that with another uh, boost of energy uh, then the middle seems to fill itself in most of the time not that you're gonna have uh, no bad days but most of your days will be quite good. Right? It's
1: so it's so funny because this very morning I had a conscious realization of just that. Um, these days I deliberately get up at six a.m. because mm-hmm. I realize that a every successful person I, I I read about happens to get up nice and early, right? Yes. And then I and then I dig deeper in that, and I'm like, well, why are they doing that? And I'm like, well. I want to be like them. Um, yeah. I could do that. I can get up at six. Yeah. Uh, so you know, um, it maybe it was seven, and then it was six thirty, and then I just keep inching it back. So now it's six, and then also, like you said, I've realized that having that morning to, 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 to create the energy of that perfect day. So yeah. specifically, this morning. I got up at six, and I have two small children, beautiful five-year-old girl, incredible three-year-old son who are um, m- more often than not sleeping until, let's say, at least seven. So I like that good hour deliberately. I get to exercise and work out. I get yep. to make and sip on my first cup of coffee. I get to nice. eat my, my my breakfast. I get to do my it's, – it's quiet. It's my own time. It yeah, sets me up. it's your own white
0: space. It's your right. own white life- space.
1: So so this morning I did all of that. And it's funny you're bringing that up because I had that conscious realization. Um, My daughter got up this morning about seven o'clock, which happened to be the perfect timing where I completed everything I prefer to complete on my own. And then I realized I was like, you know, I could say, oh my God, I'm so lucky that I got this time. But then that just brings up the, the, the idea that none of that is luck, right? I created the it's circumstance to make sure that I could achieve that. I put Absolutely. myself in all scenarios and situations that would give me the best possible outcome for that. So yes. by getting up early, by focusing, by, by doing what needed to be done. So there's no luck to it.
0: No, 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 there's no luck. I mean, I, I heard the definition of luck is when preparedness meets opportunity Mm -hmm. and the reality of it is is as like energy opportunity is there all the time and and in every nook and cranny of this world we just need to prepare ourselves and making that decision to get up a little bit early create that white space in your life where you have an opportunity to think uh think about the problems at hand and what you want to solve in your life and where you want to take it you 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 attract and i don't want to sound too woo woo here uh, because i might scare some people off uh, but I do believe in the law of attraction and, uh, and our universe uh, and the world we live is really just a reflection of our own attitudes, right? Uh, we attract people and events into our lives that are in alignment with our own individual attitudes.
1: Absolutely. And, um, no fear. My show is all about that. So we can go there. <laughs> with I love to mix the whole business aspect with that to make yeah. for the whole, uh, the whole theme of it. Um, and I agree you've, you, you've used the word opportunity a few times and I love that word, um, mm-hmm. as a, as an entrepreneur, really, isn't it all about opportunity?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, love opportunity. If you can fall in love with loving opportunity, you're going to attract those opportunities, right? Uh, I can't say it. it's just like sales. If you can fall in love with sales, the word sales, uh, you're going to be far more confident and effective and, and so on and attract to you opportunities to put to, to work your, your love of sales, right? Uh, so yeah, I mean, opportunity is there uh, all the time. And there's probably more opportunity today than there ever was in that we have opportunities to connect with individuals. And mm-hmm. uh, what I've learned is that there's no better, uh, nothing happens unless there's a connection between two human beings. And uh, I always say, say that we are at any given point in time one conversation away from a breakthrough. And so uh, I open myself up. To having conversations where we share in a genuine authentic way the way you and I are doing this right now I forget what we're, that we're actually recording uh, because you I'm looking at your face I'm feeling your energy and uh, we're having a conversation you know and God only knows what can come from this uh, it could be anything you know so opportunity is there all the time so true so um, to, to really unravel
1: all of that to create and discover and identify the best opportunity, you have to put yourself out there openly and authentically and connect with others as often and genuinely as possible.
0: Yeah, you got it, you nailed it, yeah, I agree. And you need to be, uh, what I learned from from my own experience is that being authentic and genuine is just a decision. It's just a decision because we have, because of the perhaps maybe some of us listening were brought up in, in less fertile ground or territory where we felt we needed to be something we weren't. Uh, but if you can just let the guard down a little bit uh, at first and a little bit more as time goes on and just be yourself. Show I say, share. Uh, there's, uh, um, every dog has some fleas and we got to just share our warts, share our, uh, all our great stuff and our, all our good stuff, uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll come across as just being uh, ourselves. And that's what attracts us to, to people, right? Uh, so I love the word authentic. It may be getting overplayed right now, but uh, for me, the, it means so much to me, right? Mm. Uh, to be able to talk to you and hold nothing back. Yeah. I don't, I'm not holding, uh, you could ask me anything and I'll tell you, uh, you know, and I love that. Right. I just yeah. love being me, you know?
1: Excellent. Um, yeah. I want to go back to where we left off. So, um, about your upbringing and you watched your father sort of, um, desire for a life of entrepreneurship, but never could have found his way to it. So you witnessed all of that and then made it your, your goal, your path to say, you know what? I'm going to do this. I see his love. I see his support. I'm going to make this happen. That happened as a young, as a young child. So when you were in uh, middle school and high school age, looking towards college, that's what you had your mind on.
0: Yeah, no, uh, you know, what I'll say about that is I don't know if I, I can't say I decided at a young age to be no. an entrepreneur. I, I never made that conscious decision. Uh, but, uh, I guess, um, one of the things that I learned at a young age uh, was money, and I and, and I and I look back on it now, and I need to I I, I well I'll say it, but I I want to uh, money was very important, okay, and the old, and the way to make money uh, was to be putting putting yourself out there and and in front of opportunities and so on. Um, so I was always pursuing at a very young age ways to earn money, new, uh, fly, uh, delivering flyers. And when I learned that, you know what, instead of delivering paper flyers, I get paid more for delivering heavier catalogs. I went for the catalogs, you know, uh, and I delivered uh, four or five hundred catalogs around where I live uh, instead of delivering flyers, deliver the uh, deliver the, um, uh, the TV channel guide because that's a heavier thing and you get paid 15 cents per door, you know? So I was always chasing the money at a very young age. And I I think what happened for me is the more money I made, the more I could be validated uh, in front of my friends. Does that make sense? So we would be able to go to a record store and I would buy a record when my friends couldn't afford to buy a record because they never had any money. And I felt validated as a person because of my money, you know. Now, it was later in life that I realized there's a little bit of a weakness here because chasing money is not really what life is about. Uh, Chasing experiences is what life is about. And so I made the distinction change in my mind. I changed the distinction over time to instead of chasing money, Chase experiences and, uh, and that's sort of what I started to do, maybe in my late 20s, uh, after you know find, learning that chasing money wasn't overly fulfilling uh, as chasing experiences. And Sorry if I'm digressing. I'm trying no, to share: not at all. Not I'm trying all. to share some, a story with you uh, yeah. because I think it's very relevant, because we need to really know why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, but maybe to come back to your original question around entrepreneurship, I do recall. Um, uh, during my university days, uh, doing an entrepreneurial sh- entrepreneurship course and falling in love with just this idea that I could build something, right? And uh, lo and behold, in that semester when I was doing that entrepreneurship course, I partnered up with a guy who was a childhood friend of mine and we started our first business together. And I got to, my ego was validated by starting that business because people said, "Spurvy, my God, everything you touch turns to gold," and blah 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 blah. So it all comes back to, you know, initially it was it was you do these things because you want to feel good about yourself. Uh, but as you move along, you gotta learn, you gotta really find inside why you're doing you know? Mm -hmm. And so for today, building my businesses and building assets is really about building a better life for myself and for my family. Uh, and it's, it's less about, it's less about the money and it's less about the ego, if that makes sense.
1: It does. Um, you've spoken about the, um, like everybody else, you've experienced some dark times. And I know that in the introduction, we mentioned that, um, a negative look on sales, maybe they're connected. Can you tell us about these, um, A dark transitional moment
0: absolutely so I mentioned my my belief that money uh, was the most important thing well what that led to uh, and I recall my teens uh, I said going to the record store being able to buy stuff what I what happened was I, I started very at a very young age to spend more than I was making And what that led to in my late twenties was a point where my wife and I had to declare personal bankruptcy because we were, uh, because my I was trying to be something I wasn't. I thought I had to live. I thought I had to be perceived as being the person being successful, which Mm -hmm. led me to spend a whole pile of uh, money on stuff that I didn't really need, all because I thought that's what you had to do to be successful, right? And so those were very dark days, uh, you know, having to do that. Uh, and it was when my son was bo- first born, my son is now nineteen, uh, but it was when he was first born uh, that we had to do this and and it was a really hard time. I remember my wife having to phone me to say, "Look, we need diapers uh, where's the money to buy it right We were out of credit and uh, and so on but anyway, that financial restart uh, by doing getting going bankrupt in what was that two year, two thousand? Uh, that that restart was an opportunity. Uh, I've learned that there, in hindsight, that there's really only two ways to change. One is through spaced repetition. I mentioned the use of a vision as a way to to way to kind of move yourself gradually towards the change. The other way to change is through um, an emotional impact. Meaning, you have a bet, you you go bankrupt and you pretty well lose everything. Uh, that's an emotional impact. Uh, you have a heart attack and that's what ultimately makes you change to live a better lifestyle. Right. Uh, so that, emo- that financial restart for me back then, uh, 19 years ago uh, was a really dark time, but it was an inflection point in my life. Right. Uh, so uh, I hope that answered your question. Yeah. But that's, that was a real, real dark days for us for sure.
1: What did you do then in your late twenties, early
0: thirties? What, what did I, uh, so that would, yeah, so that's uh, late 20s is when this happened. Um, I guess what I, what I when I look back, I went to work on myself and I submersed myself in uh, personal development and surrounding myself with more positive uh, things that changed this, what some of these things meant to me, right? And so all of a sudden, to be honest with you, uh, so after the bankruptcy, I made the decision to leave marketing and go into sales. Uh, and that decision was a was, what happened was i was reading robert kiyosaki's book rich dad poor dad and a few of his other books cash flow quadrant and a few other things that he produced and in those books a theme that i heard was that if you're an entrepreneur at heart which is what i was but you don't have you're you're not you you, you have a family to support you don't want to take the risks uh, a great logical step is to move into sales Uh, Because sales, you actually acquire through becoming a powerful and effective at sales, you acquire a lot of the skills necessary to be a successful entrepreneur. And so what I did is I went in search of a sales opportunity uh, where I had some form of a guarantee around my income uh, and I could hone my skills and learn how to be effective at sales. And what ended up happening is I I joined a company, a a very young uh, company, who needed someone like me who was good at building relationships. And uh, I joined them and I effectively over time grew that business uh, exponentially and acquired ownership in the process. So I became an entrepreneur in the process of learning how to do sales, if that makes sense. And that all bubbled up. We sold that company in 2013 to KPMG and and uh, the, the rest is history. Uh, well, that leads me to Prosperity 5.0 probably or whatever, right? Uh, so, uh, does that answer your question? Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely perfect. So I
1: also read that um, your book, let's get that on the table, right? Yeah. A Time to Sell?
0: It's it's Time to Sell.
1: It's Time to Sell, yeah. uh, Cultivating the Sales Mindset. Um, yeah. Package that for us. Um, what is the sales mindset?
0: Well, I mean, the, so let me let me tell you about the book. The, the, the book itself... Uh, uh, was written after we sold our company to KPMG and I was playing the role of vice president of sales for KPMG Canada. And, uh, in that role, I was traveling throughout Canada training consultants on, so people who are really good at what they do, but they struggle to sell themselves. And I was training them on ways to grow their own individual books of business and in that, I knew I didn't want to spend the rest of my life with KPMG, but I thought, and I, but I had, uh, but I wanted to make the most of it. So I decided at that point in time, I always had the dream of writing a book. So I decided to author my book, which was effectively my narrative, my story of becoming confident and effective in sales. So what does the say, so so that's, that's the impetus of the book. Uh, what uh, the sales mindset really, it's a mindset of sales is not something you have to push. Uh, sales, if done correctly, is something where you pull the opportunities and the people and the companies and whatever you're selling to you uh, through, you know, having a, a, a good, positive productive attitude showing gratitude in your life and all of this bubbles up to being a a human being that people just want to do business with right Mm -hmm. and so the book is really a narrative uh, about my journey to to do that and it's done extremely well for me and and my brand
1: Uh, amazing um quick quick side note on something you said you were you were dealing with people who as you said were struggling to sell themselves
0: what's at the core of that struggle? Is it a fear? Right. What is it? It's, it's a fear. And, uh, the fact that they've haven't been trained to look at, uh, look at their lives and their business and their, and how they go about their business through the eyes of growth and opportunity. Uh, you know, it blows me away. And and I say, it blows me away. Uh, it's, you know, they, it's just, they haven't been trained with the eye to look for opportunities and to have a good quality diet. What I refer to as a diagnostic conversation with people in an effort to solve their problems. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's really all about mindset and looking at things through the eyes of growth and opportunity.
1: Mm. Speaking of growth, you sold 70,000 copies of that book in under two years.
0: Yeah, yeah, actually it's over 120,000 now. I'm not sure what you might be uh, reading there, uh, but uh yeah, 120,000 um, and uh, a lot of that has been through uh bulk orders where I I went out to companies. Uh, I wrote my book not necessarily intentionally this way, but it turns out the book is a is an easy read uh and it it applies to effectively anybody in a company uh who wants to be a part of growing the business. And so what I have done quite effectively is reaching out to CEOs, CMOs, uh, and giving them copies of my book and that, them lead that leading them to say, after they read it, God, oh, I'd like to. I had one company buy 6,000 copies, uh, and not even ask for a discount. I should note. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. So they, so they read it and then they want to purchase one for every individual oh. in the organization.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So a lot of my sales have happened that way. I've probably had uh, uh, 20,000 that have been sold through the traditional routes of Amazon and so on. Uh, I also use it as uh, my book is a, I'm I'm a big proponent. If you haven't picked up of people writing a book uh, because it's a, it's an opportunity to give somebody a a piece of work that you've put yourself into uh, and you know, I've given away literally thousands of copies of my book, yeah. uh, and it's a phenomenal reciprocity uh, type of uh, element. I don't know if you're familiar with reciprocity. I'm sure you are. Of course. Uh, yeah. So it's led, it's led to a lot of business for me, where everybody I meet, I give a copy. It's leads, it leads to a conversation, which could lead to new clients or whatever,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. w- while we're on that, let's take a brief moment and uh, explain reciprocity. Reciprocal is the root word
0: yeah there you go yeah and i mean i i, I don't have the necessarily scientific definition down, no. but what i 'll say is if you if if the if you give something give you give someone something of value and they perceive it as being valuable, they have a subconscious desire to return uh the 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 favor mm-hmm. uh so uh, that's, that's what reciprocity means from my perspective.
1: Yeah, love it. It's absolutely perfect. Um, yeah. my, the brand here, The Hidden Entrepreneur, was founded on the idea that I spent much of my life hiding behind my fear, seeking the approval of all others, showing up with that mask on, trying to be the person that I thought others wanted me to be in exchange for ignoring and suppressing all of my power my skills and my ability, just giving fear all of that power. Can you tell us a time in your life where you felt an abundance of fear and how you got through that?
0: Yeah, I mean, what you're saying there so resonates with me and I hope what the stories that I've told in this podcast uh, chat, because uh, I think you and I are kindred spirits, to be frank, because I mean, the, the stories I told around money, and uh the disaster that led because of my internal beliefs around that uh that all has resulted in really fear fear of me being who i truly was and thinking i needed to be something else to gain the Mm. approval of people right so that's i want to make sure that that's emphasized i may not have told it that no you did did uh but you know i mean fear for me like i i um I, you know, I, I always try to embrace opportunities, but I do recall when I uh, graduated university and I got my first job uh, working for an insurance company in marketing. Uh, I was I was actually a, a manager of e-business. So this was 1996, 1997, and the president of that company saw something in me that I never saw in myself, and he started to send me across Canada to get up on stages of uh, with in front of groups of. 200, 500 people, and deliver the message of the company. And I was uh, scared to death in these in experiences. Uh, and what I would do is I uh, in the first, say, 10 or so that I used to do, I would repeat a mantra to myself that I heard somewhere along the way, to get the energy to do the thing, you just got to do the thing. And as I would get up on stage, I'd be saying that to myself and saying that to myself, I'd jump up and then I'd have my first 10 words out. And once I had the first 10 words out, I was off to the races. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's that burst of upfront energy that's required to get over that hurdle of fear. And then you kind of let life, you kind of let the thing take its course. Right. And uh, so that comes to mind when I think about fear. I mean, in the summer of 2017, I left a multi-six-figure job to pursue this dream of, because I mean, when, I sold, when we sold our company to KPMG, I was uh, in, in that vice president role, uh, and I could have been a lifer within this company, uh, but I just wasn't, didn't feel it was my calling, and so I took, the, I took the book, and I took my podcast, and I took all the energy around that, <clears throat> and I wrapped it up and said, I'm quitting this job, and I'm going to pursue this dream. Uh, and so, I mean, fear gripped me pretty hard at that point in time as I, as I made that big leap of faith. Uh, but, um, and I do have moments where I woke up in cold sweats in the middle of the night wondering what in the name of God have I done? Uh, (laughs) but I was, I was surrounded by support from my wife and my family and so on, my dad. And, uh, you know, everything everything fell into place. Uh, the the goodwill I had created up to that point in my career led me to effectively finding some some early clients uh, that embraced me and wanted me to help them. And and the rest is kind of history. But you know what? It's not to say. I mean, I'm looking at the next. I'm looking at CRISPR v9.0 and saying that's going to involve fear. It's going to involve uh, jumping out of uh, uh, and, and facing some things that and doing some things that are a little different. And anytime we're, we're exposed to different things, we are going to be gripped by fear. We just got to fight through them.
1: Yeah, and, and really, isn't that what they say, that no matter where you are in your career or on the financial point, whether you're making 10000 a year, 100000 a year, a million a year, or $10 million a year, and you want to get to the next level, it's yeah. all the unknown.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's all we, the unknown. Yeah, we live in a... We're, we live in a universe where we're all connected but we are all on our we're all on different levels and it's not to say it's not to judge any level but we we uh, if you look at any point of reference where the, whether it's income whether it's lifestyle whether it's happiness uh we're all at different levels and so moving from one level to the next is hard, and it's uh, uh and it takes breaking through your paradigm uh to make that happen and breaking through the paradigm involves fear because you're so stuck in your ways and so settled in your ways. Uh, and you may be miserable, but you're still settled in your ways. Uh, right. Uh, you find the pain. comfort
1: in that pain. Cause it's, you it's it. familiar. We know it.
0: You got it. Yeah. Fascinating. So, yeah. Small steps is, uh, you know, now there's, there's a belief I'm reading a lot of work now right now by a guy by the name of Price Pritchard. Uh, he wrote a book called U squared uh, the quantum, Leap formula. I think that's what the subtitle is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the basis of that book is uh, we are a molecular structure. Uh, there's a science out there called quantum physics. Sure. And atoms have an ability to go from point A to point Z and skip all points in between. Uh, so, well, like a laser doesn't go from point A to point Z, it goes from point A to point Z right? Uh, And skips everything in between. It's like a, it's like a cell phone. I can phone uh, someone in Malaysia right now and they'll pick it up instantaneously. Right? So that's quantum physics. We are molecular structure. So what keeps us from waking up tomorrow morning and just deciding we are something completely different than when we went to sleep. There's really nothing to hold us back. Correct. right? Right. And so we all have an ability to take a quantum leap. It's just a matter of deciding, uh, uh, facing our fears, taking on a different set of risks, uh, thinking things, thinking things through different perceptions, and so on. Right? I'm not, and I'm not suggesting to,
1: and also, I'm sorry, and also to choosing to make the choice to set yourself up in the most likely position to succeed, like oh, I God. did by choosing to get up at six a.m. If I want a morning that is going to look the way I want it to look, I have to choose certain actions that are going to give me the best chance of that outcome.
0: Wonderful. Absolutely. I agree. It's just that simple. Um, yeah.
1: Do you believe that everything happens for a reason?
0: I don't think I've ever been asked that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. And I think it's because we, um, everything that happens in our lives is really d- happens to prepare us for the next step. And uh, it's all a matter of really looking at things through the lens of how can, you, how can you leverage this, right? And so my message I shared earlier about personal bankruptcy is it really prepared me for the next step. And if I never had that point of reference, uh, I would have had to learn it in some other way, right? Uh, so I do think everything happens for a reason. And I have never been asked that before, but the way I, uh, that's, my, that's my honest answer. Good. Yeah. Are you are you spiritual or religious in any ways? Um, I was I was raised in a Roman Catholic family. Uh my kids go to a private school which is has a Jesuit foundation uh, which is a Roman Catholic or Catholic foundation. Um uh, uh am I practicing do I think about Jesus and God every day? No. Uh but, uh, you know, so I don't know. I think I'm spiritual just because I think, uh, you know, we live in a spiritual world where uh, everything is energy and we have an ability to control that energy uh, and, and really, really make of it whatever we choose, right? So I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, per, I think I am probably more spiritual than, I'm not, maybe I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual.
1: Absolutely yeah. perfect. What do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time here on earth comes to an end?
0: That's a wonderful question that, uh, you know, uh, two years ago, almost three years ago, my wife lost her father and, uh, you know, uh, she went through a really bad time with that. And I can certainly empathize and sympathize with it. But I don't know why, but I, I I, 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 I always felt like it's like my grandfather. I feel like my grandfather, Pittman, who died at 73 in 1984, he's still here. Sitting right next to me, and uh, you know I, I, I can think at any moment in time about what my grandfather would say or do in this moment because I knew him, um, and I can let that be a guiding light, so I believe we live beyond uh, our death in terms of the spirit and the memories uh, that we leave behind, and that what a wonderful gift it is to to go from this earth physically, but still have such an impact that people are wondering, what would Chris Spurvey do in this moment? How would he approach it? And Mm -hmm. that's living, that's living beyond your years effectively.
1: Well, then the perfect segue, I will leave you with this final question. Chris Spurvey, how would you like to
0: be remembered? I would like to be remembered as somebody who put, uh, his all into life, uh, and left no stones unturned um, and in the process learned a whole pile of things through falling down and picking himself back up and and managed to share that journey with others so that they can benefit from it. Mm. Well, there's been a
1: ton of benefit personally for me through this interaction, through this conversation. Thank you, Chris, for opening up and sharing you. I appreciate your time.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. It was pure glir- glory and, and uh, uh, inspiration just to talk to you and to see your energy on the screen here. Uh, you're, and this is an example of quantum physics. Your energy is smashing me right in the face here right now. Wow. And we're probably 2,000 kilometers away from each other. So there's something big, there's something crazy about that, but it's glorious
1: wow i really appreciate that certainly and i appreciate everybody taking the time to tune in or to watch this broadcast if you got something out of it take one step forward and take an action put something good into the world we're going to try and put something good back into the world with another episode not too far behind until we do thanks for tuning in go get them